To some of you, may, you may be wondering, so who is that guy? Uh, it has been a little while, I have to admit. It's been about a month since the last time I've been up here. And you may have noticed that uh, over the intervening month, I, I have been looking a little older because as of today, uh, which is my birthday, I am actually a year older. So um, usually in past times when, when this has happened, my birthday's been on a Sunday, someone spilled the beans on me, so I figured I'm just going to kind of get out ahead of that, ahead of time, and just kind of let that be known. And, and I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, oh man, i got to go out and buy Blaine a real expensive present before the day's over. But, but don't bother... Because we're in the season of Lent, and uh, this is the opportunity for us not to accrue more goods, but actually to give some of those away. So God, in his amazing sense of humor, has given me a birthday during the season of Lent every year, so I'm used to it. So uh, we are into this series, as Pastor Josh has mentioned, on uh, the kiss of Jesus. Uh, Those are words that we borrowed, stole, actually, from... uh, Mother Teresa, who speaks of suffering in the Christian life as actually being an example or an expression of of Jesus' love. And we don't normally think of it that way. And so in the season of Lent, which is not just supposed to be a 40-day downer, it's, it's an opportunity for us to walk in the steps of Jesus as he faces his crucifixion and he turns his face like a flint towards Jerusalem. And as we desire to follow Jesus in all ways, we want to follow him on, on the way to the cross. And so part of that means coming to grips with the reality of suffering in its various forms uh, in our lives as followers of Jesus. So last week... Pastor Josh very ably talked about those occasions when there is no healing. And this morning, we'll take a look at those occasions of suffering when we are feeling depressed. And in order to guide us in our discussion this morning, we're going to be looking at a couple of psalms in the Psalter, Psalm 42 and and Psalm 43. And I think actually these were originally one psalm. They were originally penned to be together. So we're going to read them together. And I would ask if you would stand with me as we hear from the Lord this morning, from Psalm 42 and 43. As a deer pants for flowing streams... So pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God." My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. 
By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I, have take, whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre. O God, my God, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Let's pray. Lord, we, we know that our lives are fragile. They seem sometimes just to be dangling from a string. And at times that string seems frayed and at risk of breaking. And so it's during these times that we remember how much we depend on you. So this morning we, we come to you as your needy children seeking to hear from you about those times when we don't seem to hear from you. So we pray that you would speak so that we can hear your voice. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please take a seat. The statistics are alarming. As Canadians, we are currently suffering from an epidemic of depression. Now this can mean anything from bouts of feeling blue or feeling sad to being clinically depressed or experiencing SAD, Seasonal Affective Disorder, which affects many of us during this season of the year. Or maybe it's even those occasions that we call the dark night of the soul, where we feel that we have been abandoned by the God we serve. All of those experiences are under the larger umbrella of what it means to feel sadness and depression. And the statistics tell us that one out of every ten Canadians will be seriously, clinically depressed at some point in their life. So we know that these are things that, that are happening among us. 
And we know that the incidence of depression among the millennial and the Gen Z generations is skyrocketing. Some are even suggesting that we're heading into the second Great Depression. And we're not talking about anything that is economic. We're not talking about the dirty 30s. We're talking about the mean teens. And it's not an economic depression. It's a psychological one. Because there are many things that we have in common. But one of those things that we have in common is that all of us, at some point and to some degree, will experience what it means to be sad, to be depressed, to feel empty. And so this morning we're just going to to look to Scripture to see how uh, the Lord will help us in the midst of these difficult times. Because knowing that that depression is so widespread is depressing, isn't it? There is something that kind of holds us together. So I've got a question for you this morning. What do you do when you're feeling sad or depressed when, when your whole body seems to have slowed down, where every effort is just beyond your capacity to, to bring forward, when you feel like garbage, when you feel hopeless and abandoned and all by yourself. I had an old, I had a former, prof- well, he's old, old as dirt. A former professor who used to say he used to feel so low that he'd have to step on a brick to spank a duck. That's low. So what do we do when there is no brick in sight? What do we do when we're depressed? We sing. Right? Well, maybe not. Maybe for some of you that's not the case. But some of the most powerful music has been birthed out of the experience of suffering. The spirituals coming from from that cesspool of slavery. The blues. This is, is music that speaks deeply to our soul. And it comes out of the crucible of suffering. And so... What do we do when we're feeling sad and depressed and alone? We can sing. Even when we don't feel like singing, we we can sing. Not these happy, sappy, clappy kinds of songs, but songs in which we allow the the music to, to take our pain to the one who can hear it but seems to have gone AWOL for the time being. We can sing this, this song of the sons of Korah, Psalm 42 and 43, because these guys know how to lament. I like to call them the, the Blues Brothers. And that's what happens when we turn to the Psalms. Because in, in the Bible, God speaks to us. But in the Psalms, God speaks for us. And so he gives us this song from the the sons of Korah to help us express those those feelings, that, that sadness, that depression on those times when everyone, including God, seems far away. 
And one of the things that you notice in, in any kind of, of song, there, there is this, this repeating and haunting melody or chorus. And we find it in, in this song as well. You'll notice three times the chorus is repeated. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. You'll notice that these psalms go together into three different verses. And at the end of each verse, we have this refrain repeated. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Maybe the words of uh, Louis Armstrong are a little more contemporary. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows but Jesus. What the sons of Korah are asking us to do is to sing along with them as they take us through this journey of those occasions when things have not turned out as we had expected them to. And I, I think I just need to make this, this disclaimer. This, this is a sermon. <laughs> this is not a mass counseling session. And, and the sons of Korah are not sons of a counselor, nor, nor am I. I'm, I'm, I'm not Dr. Phil. I'm just Dr. Blaine. So we're just going to, to the Scripture to see what, what this inspired writer has to say to take us from those occasions when we're, we see no, no hope in sight to the point of restoring us to the joy of our salvation. Now, the psalmist begins where all of us begin. He begins with his complaint. And we'll notice, he says... As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? You can, <laughs> you can feel the longing in, in those words, there's a, there's a dryness. There's, there's a desperation that just flies right off the page. And, and maybe you have felt that sense of, of dryness in, in your own life. Like, your life has completely shriveled up. You're, you're hollow. You feel empty on the inside, and, and there's nothing left in, in the tank even though you wish for something better. You know, I, I can hardly read these words without getting a bad case of dry mouth. There, there's just such a lack. There is such a thirst. There is such a longing that has gone unrequited. These are the desperate cries of someone who wants to reach out and to be refreshed by the presence of God, but all he feels is hot, dry desert. So the psalmist looks back. He looks back behind himself, and all he sees for miles is sand under the scorching heat of an angry sun. And all he's left with are memories, 
bad memories for the most part. He remembers being constantly weeping to the point where he says his only food are his tears. So that's, that's a constant sadness. He recalls the fact that, that he has, has endured all day, 24-7, the constant taunting of those around him, those who take a perverse joy in the fact that he is all alone and God is nowhere in sight. Not only is it the bad stuff he remembers, but even the good memories he has are bad. Because when you're not feeling well and you go back and you remember the way things used to be, does that make you feel any better? Not really. And so the psalmist goes back in his mind and he remembers those occasions when he was leading God's people in worship. The sons of Korah were temple musicians leading praise to God. And he can't help but remember those glorious days when he's leading God's people in worship and it's almost like he can reach out and touch God. But that was then. And this is now. And all he can do is look backward. So part of of the experience of sadness and depression is, is painful because we remember the way things used to be. When life was not so bleak, when we felt a little more on top of things, had lots of energy and and didn't feel so worthless. But that was then, and this is now. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows but Jesus. The psalmist has looked back, and that hasn't been a whole lot of help. And so he decides that he'll look around. And he looks around at the present time, and the present seems to be this same mixed bag as the past. Now remember, he started longing for, for water as though he was dying of thirst. He's just asking for the, a, a sip of, of cold water. And now, he's feeling like he's completely drowned by the waves that are seeking to destroy him. For him, it literally never rains, but it pours. And he speaks of deep calls to deep. Now, most of us think that that probably sounds like a good thing. Sounds deep. (laughs) But it's not. The depths are these chaotic waters that God had to tame back at the time when he created the heavens and the earth. These are the waves that are calling out to each other when you're out in the middle of the Northumberland Strait in a canoe trying to drown you and end your life. It's a conspiracy. So the psalmist goes from longing for just a a touch of fresh water to being completely and utterly overwhelmed by the chaotic waters of his present experience. So looking around isn't helping any more than looking back. And in the midst of all this, he recognizes that there are things that he knows in his heart or knows in his mind, rather, but, but they can't 
come down to his heart. He knows them up here in his mind, but it's not making that 18-inch that trek down to his heart. And so he knows and we know the truth of verse 8. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Now up here, he knows this. Up here, we know that that is indeed the case. But the reality of our situation when we're sad or depressed is far removed. We wonder, where is this steadfast love? Where are all these songs and these prayers? All I see are a bunch of these smug jerks who take joy in my difficulty. They keep coming around and say, well, where is this God of yours? If you're so holy, why are you so miserable? And we can find ourselves living in a world about the same size as our own perspective. Only big enough for one. And that's each of us. Everything tends to be about us about how much life stinks, about how much we stink. And it seems like the universe has just shriveled. And everything tends, by necessity, to be about us because we're the only resident of this universe. So looking back on some of these bad memories is not helping. Looking around at, at some of these heavy, heavy burdens isn't helping either. And in the midst of our, of our present difficulty, it's easy to get trapped into thinking that one of two things has had to have happened. Either this is God's fault, and he's not living up to his part of the bargain, and he's taken a train, and he's left me twisting in the wind. That's option number one. The other option is that there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my faith. Or I wouldn't be feeling this way. This can be a losing battle. Because in the end, if those are the only two options, we, we usually just end up spiraling downward and downward. Because we're looking for the answer in the wrong direction. We're looking for the answer in our surroundings. We're looking for the answer in our own capabilities. We're looking for those answers in light of what we expect to happen. And so we sing with the psalmist. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows but Jesus. And so if looking back and looking around hasn't helped a whole lot, the psalmist begins to look up. And this is the beginning of the third verse, what we know as Psalm 43. And all of a sudden we sense, if we're reading closely enough, that something important has changed. Now we have to look very closely. There's nothing magical 
There's nothing immediate that happens. The Psalms were not written in Hollywood. There, there is no pixie dust or some cheesy epiphany or tear-jerking music. We just have to look and see what has happened. So looking back hasn't helped. Looking around hasn't helped. But in looking up, the psalmist's perspective finally shifts. It shifts from himself to God. And he starts to plead his case with God, directly with God. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust man. Deliver me. And a few verses on. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. There, there is no thunderbolt that happens between Psalm 42 and 43 so that the psalmist's suffering suddenly disappears. If, if you read Psalm 43, the psalmist is still feeling like he's rejected by God and that he is still surrounded by all these jeering enemies. So what has changed? In one sense, not much. <laughs> because the enemies are still there. He still senses that things aren't right. But in another sense, everything has changed. Until now, everything has been wrapped in darkness and suffering. And now, for the first time, there is at least the hope of light. He doesn't even see it at this point, but he knows it's coming. And that's what makes all the difference. Now he begins to see in his mind's eye what it's going to be like when God's light shines on him, when God's truth comes and rescues the day. He can, in his mind's eye, imagine what it's like to be back leading God's people in worship. And in the meantime, he's taken up learning another instrument. So not only does he lead with his lungs, but with the lyre. And he's back where he belongs, praising the Lord. But it's not magical. It, it's something that requires the psalmist to continue to hope and to wait on the Lord. And here's where the psalmist concludes with the chorus for the final time. And this is the third time we've heard the chorus, and all of a sudden, it makes sense. Have you ever sung some lyrics to a song, and you're not exactly sure what you're singing, and then all of a sudden, in one repetition, bing, and you realize, oh. Because we've been singing this refrain a couple of times already, and some of it seems just a little depressing. And it was a little nice bit at the end, but it's still like our souls cast down. We're in turmoil. We're in big trouble. Because the emphasis has been on my cast down soul and the turmoil in me. And all of a sudden we begin to see the truth of that refrain that we've been singing all along. 
Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The emphasis is no longer on the first part of that refrain. It's on the last part. The emphasis is no longer on nobody knows the trouble I've seen. And the emphasis shifts to nobody knows but Jesus. What's happened is hope. That is what's been inserted into this difficulty, into this sadness, into this depression. And what the the psalmist has done, he's moved from being hopeless to being helpless to being hopeful. His salvation is not in his bad memories. His salvation is not in his heavy burdens. His salvation is in his hope. Hope that the light and truth of his God will shine in his light and he will be back worshiping God with his fellow worshipers. But by the end of Psalm 43, that hasn't actually happened yet. But something amazing has happened to transform the attitude of the psalmist before God. He's willing to wait on God. He's willing to trust God, that God in his own time and his own way, through his light and his truth, will bring him back out of the darkness into light. And let's face it. The truth of the matter is, we will never really understand our suffering by trying to look back or look around, or figure out where it comes from. That's just not going to happen. That's a little above our pay grade, frankly. But we bear with suffering in all of its forms, not by looking back or around, but by looking to where it leads, or better, to whom it leads. And now... (laughs) Even better than the sons of Korah, now we know that God has indeed sent his light. And he has sent his truth. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Now what does that mean? Does that mean now that Jesus has come, that we have no longer any excuse to be sad or depressed? Of course not. But what it does mean is that hope has a new name and a new address. Because hope has become flesh and blood. And he has moved into the neighborhood and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This may be an awful lot to take in from just one song. But the thing about good songs is that they were never meant to be sung just once. The better the song, the more it needs to be sung. 
Some songs are so bad, you hardly even want to sing them once. But this is not one of those songs. It's a song that needs to be re-sung over and over and over again until we recognize that our hope comes in our perspective in waiting for God. So for those of you who aren't really all that musical and you don't like the right brain stuff, and you're a little more on the left brain side, and so you'd be a little more at home with a few points or principles, let, let me indulge you. So, what do we do when we're depressed? Well, we name the elephant. There's no use denying what God and everyone else knows. If we are sad and we are depressed, we might as well admit it. We might as well tell the truth. Because all of us, in, in some way and to some extent, will struggle with these difficulties. With these times of, of deprivation. Of these times of disorientation. Of abandonment. It's, it's as natural as life. We're all weak. And we all struggle in various ways. We're all egotists. Some of us are just better at hiding it than others. So we just need to name the elephant. Elephants ain't pretty. But they're real. So that's where we start. Then we stay connected. Part of sadness and depression is the sense that we are all alone. That we've been abandoned. So in the midst of that, to withdraw from everyone else is, is actually just going to make it worse. So what is true for the Blues Brothers is also true for us. We are never happier. Even in the midst of our difficulty, we are never happier than when we are with God's people. Singing and worshiping and eating and caring and eating and helping and eating together. That's how God made us. So stay connected to one another because we are one another's best chance of leaving the valley and heading up the mountain. And we keep hoping. Our focus needs to be on God and on His goodness, even while things are still bad, even when we still feel abandoned, and even while our enemies are giving us a hard time. To hope in God means to wait on God. That's what the word means. Hope equals wait. When we hope in God, we, we are trusting God. We are waiting for Him. We are trusting His tomorrow rather than obsess over our own today. Because in our situation, such as it is, living in a fallen world, this is how our salvation comes to us. Here's how we experience salvation in this broken world. The injustice of today is made right tomorrow. The tears of today are wiped away tomorrow. The sorrow of Good Friday is swallowed up in the joy of Easter Sunday. And that is the way it will be for all of us who are living somewhere between the two. And in the midst of that tension, 
when things we know are not what they could be, and we live between that tension and the tension of what we know things will be, in the midst of that, we are able to persevere, hopefully, through our suffering, because we know that the present suffering we experience will be nothing compared to the glory to be revealed in us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us that the path of following after you is not always an easy one. And there will be times when it will be very difficult. And there will be times when we feel abandoned and alone. And there will be times when we feel like garbage, even though we know you don't make garbage. And so we pray in the midst of that that you would allow our perspective never to be lost, that perspective that focuses on you and your goodness and the hope you bring us. We pray, Lord, that you would grant us the grace to wait, to wait on you, to hope in you, and realize that ultimately in your time and in your way, your light and your truth will come. This is our constant understanding and commitment and truth that we experience in you. This morning, 